Our world is a series of unfolding loops of anxiety and paranoia. There's the obvious outer layer of stress, which is fear of catching the coronavirus and the rigorous procedure for prevention that includes social distancing, wearing a mask, washing hands, staying in one's bubble, avoiding crowds, and sanitizing. And then there's the other layers of distress, the impending U.S. election and the possible dire reactions regardless of outcome, the ongoing environmental worries that tug at our collective minds hourly, the threat of another pandemic as experts are warning us about, and societal issues that have played out in front of us over the course of the summer, racial unrest, police brutality, and the rise of the alt-right. Let's not get into each of our personal worries, loved ones, finance, health. I think we on Earth right now handle more worry than at any other time in history. Of course, I must throw one more worry onto the bonfire, and that is the future of rock and roll. Is there one? It keeps me up at night sometimes. May seem trivial to you, but to me, it's my line of work. It's my bread and butter. I look around and listen to what people are listening to, and rock and roll music is barely getting a song in edgewise. When I look around, there aren't as many rock and roll tunesmiths with a knack of getting a rise from me. There's a lot of bands who purport to be rock and roll, but sound like flimsy facsimiles. I'm not talking about the legacy bands that have been around for eons and who have come to represent older generations. I'm talking about new rock and roll bands. Are they out there? And just when I'm about to give up and think that we three in our band are alone on this journey, I remember people like Tuck Smith are here to help calm my worries, press my buttons, and kick my ass with his music. Yeah, I love everything Tuck Smith does. His band, The Biters, pretty much punched me in the stomach when I first heard them. I became an instant Biters fanatic, and we took them out on tour back in 2012 before they even had an LP out, just on their, the strength of their four EPs. They eventually put out two full-length albums, Electric Blood in 2015 and The Future Ain't What It Used To Be in 2017 before breaking up. I featured the Biters in my first ever rock and roll scene podcast episode back in 2017, episode number 145, highlighting new rock bands worth championing, but little did I know they were calling it a day. Well, from the ashes of the Biters rises Tuck Smith, the singer and guitarist of the Biters, who has now soldiered out on his own. I featured Tuck a few episodes back in June, episode number 227. His new band, Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts, had put out two singles in anticipation of their debut album, but the album's release was put on hold due to COVID. I can't begin to imagine how it must feel to have your new album in the chamber waiting for the world to hear it and not knowing when everyone will. However, the good news is a third single from the album will be released this October 2nd called same old you with an accompanying video that means the album will be released next year in 2021 that's yet another reason to look forward to next year at least for me as lockdown has eased up and people have gone slowly back to work the people still left waiting are those in live entertainment 
bands, musicians, and those that work with them, the road crews, the live venues, we've all had our years wiped out clean, our tours canceled, basically our careers put on ice for the foreseeable future. Some will be able to bounce back, others will have to start from scratch. Our band had five tours this year wiped off the table. It was supposed to be a very busy year for us, but instead we've been left frozen in carbonite. Tuck also had a very prestigious summer blockbuster stadium tour booked with, get this, Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett, and Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts. What an incredible quintuple bill. But unfortunately, as we all know, the tour was canceled, or rather pushed back to 2021. So it will happen. We all just have to wait, just have to wait it out. In the meantime, COVID ain't stopping Tuck as he's kept busy releasing his covers from the quarantine EP that includes covers from The Who, Lana Del Rey, David Bowie, and more. Just knowing he did this album keeps my spirits up, and it's nice to see people I love to listen to keep making music during these strange times. And as I did with Denzel McFarlane from the OBGMs and Isaiah Radke from Radke, featured on those Rock Scene podcast episodes, I'm bringing on Tuck to Talk Shop and delve a little deeper into his world. Full disclosure up front, Tuck went deep here about singing on the road, but I've kept it in the podcast because this is real talk. Might be boring to some, some might not be able to relate, but this is real talk. Everyone and their grandmother seems to want to know what it's really like on the road, traveling in a rock band, being in a band, the tell-all books, the close-up features, the big reveal reality documentaries. Nah, man, this is real, about as real as it gets. So I hope you enjoy. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, please subscribe if you haven't. I don't have any sponsors to do this. I just do this to combat boredom. And out of the pure love uh, of hearing my own voice. Thanks for listening and encouraging me to talk even more. Okay, Tuck Smith is on the podcast and it starts now. The Tango Joe's podcast is the best around. They play the kid and take us, go out to love for free. I'm sad, glad I like to sometimes. Take me in from fuck to stop playing hang to do. It's the greatest podcast from coast to coast, coast to coast. And I say the Don Coach Jones podcast makes me feel alright. The Don Coach Jones podcast makes me feel alright. Number one in the world, one in the world, it makes me feel alright. The Don Coach Jones podcast is the best. gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready, because the Daco Jones Podcast starts Hey, Tuck. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good to, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I can hear your voice. That's good. Uh, how you doing during quarantine? It's up and down, man. You know, it's weird. The, the psychological effects from uh, 
from going to thinking you're going to be on a stadium tour. It's taken a minute to cope with it, but it is what it is, you know. So I don't want to, I don't want to bring it up for the probably the nth time for you, but at the outset of the pandemic, you had a, a stadium tour booked, ready to go, um, with Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett, and yourself. Yes, I did. So yeah, man, I got that tour. Um, and you know, as well as I do, I'm trying to break this new project. So my mm-hmm. record label wanted a point of convergence, they call it. They wanted me to get a big tour. So my record had been done for like a year. So I was going absolutely crazy, uh, you know, booking my own shows, kind of getting on stuff here and there. Then I would just lay in bed every night praying I got a stadium tour. So when I got that call, um, it was so over- overwhelming, like the emotions that happened. And then, you know, to gear up and get your band ready. And there's so many logistics and planning for that. Um, and then it kind of got snatched away. So, <clears throat> yeah, man, it, it's real. <laughs> I mean, um, when I heard about the tour, I was really happy for you. That was, uh, I think I heard it from Tony Lima, who's a mutual, mutual friend of ours. Yeah, he told me about it, I think. And I was like, wow, that's exactly what he needs to to let every to let the whole world know that you know this thing is happening and it's 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 it, you know you're you, I've only heard the two songs um, that you've put out. So is there a record coming out or am I behind and it's out already? No, it was uh, supposed to come out twentieth, right. uh, and that tour was going to start June eighteenth. So. You know, my whole, basically my whole album rollout stopped. I put a, a song out, like, I don't know, in February or March. I know a song was about to come out in March, the next single, and build it. And they, my label just put the brakes on everything with everybody on the label. So now <clears throat> it's indefinite uh, when the album's going to come out. I think they're going to start staggering staggering releases but you know if you if you're already kind of a big established artist in your or you're on independent label you can kind of do whatever you want but you know there's pros and cons to be signed to a label but you know putting a record out during quarantine without touring you know that that kind of sucks too so i I kind of see both sides but you did you put out covers from the quarantine which is a collection of you know what it is cover songs great man they're great and i think you're doing the best uh making the best of uh the situation thank you yeah man you know i have a home studio i can't track drums and i can't really get loud but you know i decided let me do some acoustic stuff for fun just to kind of stay in the mix but i tell you what buddy i learned a big lesson this week and that was i will never cover a kiss song again and I will never uh, do anything for fun in the makeup because the army of irate granddaddies. Are you that serious? Are mad at me, oh, oh, God, it's so funny, dude. The star on your face is too big. Yeah, yeah Peter Chris sang that song. I mean, it is so funny to me, dude. Yeah, but they Paul Stanley so wrote it. Paul Stanley wrote Hard Luck Woman. I know that. I know that. And Paul Stanley's who I identify. You know, everybody can identify with a member in Kiss. I identify with Stanley. I love them. And, uh, boy, I'm Team mad. Paul. I'm Team Paul as well. Dude, they are so mad at me. Um, it's hilarious. 
that's crazy because I saw the I saw the video and I thought it was awesome. I thought Thank what, you, buddy. I thought what you did was awesome, man. And I I would hate to think a bunch of guys who live in their mom's basement are gonna stop you from doing more Kiss songs. Well, I'm kind of being funny because you know as well as I do. There's so many people, you know, what they call them, couch quarterbacks or whatever. <laughs> uh, there's so many nowadays. And, you know, overwhelmingly, stuff is positive. And, I, and if you're going to be in music, you can't really give a fuck what people say about you. So I don't care. I just think something that was pure and supposed to be for fun, people can get find a reason to get so mad about it. And, and that's what fucking cracks me up. You know, Hard Luck Woman is one of my favorite Kiss songs, and I think you did a bang-up job on it. It's awesome. Thank and, you, buddy. Yeah, like, I think, yeah, when I saw the list of that, and I'm like, oh, I got to hear that first. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really good, and I'm glad it was the, I guess, quote-unquote, single of the release with a video, accompanying video as well, because it's, it's cool. Now, how did you shoot that in quarantine? Well, I just went kind of, you know, I got permission from my label to do the the covers. They had to get clearance, but I just kind of went rogue on yeah. the video. And, <clears throat> and um, you know, my best, one of my best friends, Raheem, he, he's been doing Biter's videos and been doing my videos for a while. And uh, we just went to my rehearsal space. I asked the guy if I could borrow the front room. You know, nobody's been there for months. Uh, Raheem is... Uh, super careful because his girlfriend has you know she has has a low immune system he's afraid so he you know he stayed back the whole time he wore a mask and i did the makeup myself and i pushed play on my phone and i hit the fog machine with my foot and uh he had a camera he had a camera and we just did it to two of us that's awesome I, uh, that's, that's great. I'm happy to hear that. So your label was cool. Like this was an independent release from, from their contract with you. No, they just kind of like, I'm so vocal about wanting to do stuff. Yeah. I think they just kind of gave in They're like, all right, just let this guy kind of do his thing. Um, you know, that's what happened. So they're pretty cool. They, you know, when I went, to make my record, I made it with this guy named Rob Cavallo. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's did American Idiot, mm -hmm. Dookie, Goo Goo mm -hmm. Dolls, My Chemical Romance. He did a band I love called Sar that never really got big. Um, <clears throat> he's did a lot of things. And, you know, that was one of the selling points, I think, for this label to, to sign me. And I was so worried, man, about them getting in there and going, you know, well, this is what's hot on the rock charts. So, you're going to need to do this and do this and do this. But the A&R didn't show up one time to the recording sessions. I got to do exactly what I wanted, whatever I wanted. Um, you know, that doesn't happen a lot nowadays yeah. unless you're independent. So th they're pretty cool with that kind of stuff. Well, that's good. Now, um, do you have any plans on pressing it in some way or? Yeah, that was one of the stipulations when I was trying to work out. I was like, dude, I love vinyl. I want to sell it. So, definitely doing a you know colored 12 inches and stuff oh that's cool so i mean this this i mean depending on how long we're all in lockdown this could be a thing where you can do semi-regularly no what do you mean semi-regularly another covers from quarantine part two. Oh yeah 
Yeah, they're not going to press anything. They said I can't monetize that at all. So. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I wish I beg. So, what I'm trying to do? I just cut a Christmas cover though, and that's going to be. I did Slade Merry Christmas, and uh, I did it super punk rock because you know sometimes Christmas songs aren't they just kind of goofy. So I was like, how do I make this like super cool? So I just did that. So that'll be out. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, now that the covers album's out, what's your next musical project going to be while we're in lockdown for the next, some may say, four to 14 (laughs) months, you know? Oh, my God. I know. It's daunting when you think about it, man. I can't think about it. You know, like, my my thing is I can sit and sulk and kind of be a baby and be depressed and do whatever or i can say all right i need to really figure out how to adapt to this because <clears throat> it's not going to do me any good just to, to to pout so i you know i cut that cover from the quarantine i decided let's do this uh hard luck woman video and so now i'm doing this live streaming tv show the first one had some hiccups but i'm doing it again tomorrow and basically i'm showing all these behind the scenes and stuff from biters and i'm showing music videos and i have guests so I'm trying to stay engaged and I've been cutting like acoustic versions of biter songs and making videos for that. So as far as that kind of stuff, I'm trying to use what I have to put out content um, just under the circumstances. Well, that's good. I mean, that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's interesting trying to, I'm always <clears throat> interested to hear how, you know, other musicians who do music full time, how they're, handling it or what they're doing some of their interesting projects because they're you know creative people come up with creative things so i i I just want to hear about it so that sounds interesting right well you know in my room man i you know i have like a a compressor and a real preamp and a real mic and pro tool so i can cut really nice sounding stuff i recorded that thing up in my room by myself so it's like a one-man show i'll write you know record it then i'll take a gopro put it up on a little stand uh, I have, I can control it by my phone. So I've been shooting like these little videos in my room just by myself, controlling it with my, the fog machine with my foot again. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's been really weird kind of doing it by myself, but, um, it, it's what it takes, right? Well, uh, that, that leads me to, uh, to the restless hearts, uh, the, the other guys in the band. So, um, by the time the lockdown's over, You'll be like, okay, no, guys, I'm, it's a one-man band now. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I, I, I wish. I would so glad. I mean, I would be so happy to crank up amps with those guys. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're all in Nashville, so, and I'm in Atlanta, so. Right. So, so, I mean, the last time we played shows together was when you guys, when the biters were happening and stuff. And then um, you guys put out a few more albums. And then the next thing I hear from you is, you're out on your own with Tuck Smith and the Restless Heart. So because I'm out of the loop, how was that transition? How did that happen? Uh, okay, I'll make it quick. First of all, you know, uh, I always talk, talk about you really good because you gave Biters the first opportunity to tour Europe. And we went back several times after that, maybe eight or ten times. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so, so I'm forever grateful for that for you even though that was a disaster for us and we were mismanaged 
uh, and the police were after us for the stolen vehicle. You remember that? <laughs> yes, yes. But I also knew, I also <laughs> knew it wasn't your fault. I, I we've kind of felt for you guys because it, oh, it, it was kind of out of your hands without getting into it. I got screwed. It. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The sleep deprivation because it was so mismanaged. That was like, I imagine you uh, people did exper- war experiments on people like that, where to try to keep you from sleeping. Um, by the end of that tour, man, I, I can't believe my brain was still intact. But anyways, so <clears throat> the biter, thank you for that. The biter's carrying on for a while. And you know as well as I do, man, rock and roll, uh, like authentic kind of just straight down the middle rock and roll is really not big in the United States. Yeah, I know. At all. Yeah. And I toured, we toured every club back and forth. And, you know, we would do good in major cities. Mm-hmm. And we're really starting to kind of build a small underground following but europe is where we wanted to, to do the conquest but it's so expensive to get over there too so we were doing american tours and putting money on the credit card to go over there and it just became like this hole so we started having trouble with our record label overseas and you know when that happens sometimes it's irreparable the, the relationship is fractured to the point where the only way for me to keep playing music was to break up the band and go solo. Um, and I don't think I'm the only person that's been a victim of the music industry. I made some bad decisions. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, I didn't go to college. I don't have a briefcase. I'm just this weird motherfucker who likes rock and roll. And I just, I don't know the business stuff and I'm getting smarter about it, but, you know, it, it happens, man. It, I just figured I, I want to keep going. Well, that's, I mean, I'm glad you did. Uh, <clears throat> so, so the, are the, are some of the biters in the, the restless hearts? No, 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 no. Um, we kept having problems with keeping bass players. So, um, Ricky, the guy that plays guitar in my band, he played bass for the last year in biters. Touring. Okay. Right. He's a really great guy. And then Matt Gabs, uh, that played guitar, he's in a band called Ravagers, and I just produced their record. They're coming back to finish it. And then Joey plays in another band called Rambler with some of my best friends. So they're still playing. Um, I don't know if they're trying to you know, do it full, 100% full-time like me, but I think they're lifers. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I kind of got the feeling when I when we toured together that you guys were. And that's the thing about Atlanta that I found. When we first got there, we played some show. I can't even remember the name of the club. But we were the matinee show to the real show that was happening in the evening. And it was just a bunch of kids who looked like they were straight out of, like, uh, Too Fast for Love, Motley Crue. And I can't remember the year, 04, 05. It was probably, was it, what band was it, The Heart Attacks? It, it it might have been. I don't. I can't remember the name either. I just remember thinking, "Wow, this scene. This scene looks way better, cool than, than the the scene we just played." Like, and then we left. Um, but then I've always thought that maybe you guys had a few fingers in that scene. That well, the the heart attacks was my band straight out of high school, and I got signed to Hellcat Records. We went on like we toured with like Rancid and stuff like that. Was that uh, so? Did, yeah. Was that us then? Did we play? Uh, 
probably you probably played at Star Bar, but we were it playing underage club like clubs underage. We were drawing like four to six hundred people all ages, and it was looked like Hanoi Rocks, New York Dolls. Yeah, it, it was that whole scene. I think Atlanta had the biggest rock and roll scene in the country. It was it amazing, did. and I left the club because we, you know, our matinee show was finished. Uh, like twenty people showed up. We packed <clears> our van, and there's like a lineup of all these rock rockers who are like they look like yeah. 17 years old yeah and i was just like what the hell man why didn't yeah. we play this gig and <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I always wanted to ask you guys that i don't know if i did when we toured yeah. no i mean that was the scene that i i kind of grew up in and there was a handful of bands down here um that that did that and uh we were huge and you know the singer of that band you're talking about Chase Joey plays in a band with him, but it was we uh, we went on Warp tour and Tim Armstrong saw us and he signed us. It was so weird. It is, but, it but, is but, weird, but but you know when you get signed when you're a teenager, drugs and acting like a fucking idiot. So that was a, an experiment failed, but it happens. Sure, and it doesn't happen too much anymore. But you you went through I think what all those bands went through. You know, you did it the way. All the all the bands that you listen to went did you know like that's kind of in a, in a way it's cool and and the Tim Armstrong connection it might seem odd but then I can see how Tim Armstrong is looking at you guys through the same eyes that I'm looking at you guys going what the hell this exists this is amazing yeah, was, like what the hell's going on and then we had to drive to the Best Western that did you, night did you <laughs> that sucked did you play at Star Bar that sounds super familiar. That it is, was either Drunken Unicorn or Star Bar. Because it was uh, downstairs. We had to load downstairs. I think it was um, Drunken Unicorn on Ponce de Leon, a small little club down a little flight of stairs. And I never saw those guys load in or anything. We just, I don't know what happened, but I was walking out of the club and it was packed and the band on stage was, yeah, exactly, Hanoi Rocks. And I was, it, had, I, it had to be the heart attacks. It had to be. It was amazing. <laughs> it's like, the, uh, it's and that's why every single time I hear of a rock band that's coming out of Atlanta, uh, uh, because of the Biters and because of that band that night, I always have to hear it because I'm like, no, this, whoever this band is, if it's rock and roll and from Atlanta, it was dyed in the wool, real rock, as yes. real as it can get. Well, the thing about Atlanta, it's. Uh, <clears throat> It's really kind of gentrified a lot lately. But when I got kicked out of high school, I moved up here and lived in a squat house. And it was like Detroit or something. Like it was super – it was just ran down and it was – there were so many shitty bands and like the, the shows were huge. And it felt like I what I would think the New York in the 70s felt like because you know nobody was out at streets in the night. Half the town was boarded up. And <clears> – <throat> I mean, it was a great rock and roll scene. And before that, I had one of the biggest like punk scenes in the country. And I grew up in the punk scene. So is, um, so is the Atlanta rock and roll, this new rock and roll scene from like the, I guess, mid-2000s, was that born out of that punk rock scene? Yes, because what happened was we were all into like heavily into British 80s punk. Mm, like okay. ex the exploited in GBH, right? And then you discover bands like The Boys um, and Generation X right? Like the late seventies punk stuff. And then we started to get into dead boys and New York dolls. 
and, and that's how the, the thing happened and the stooges and things like that. Right. And so it kind it kind of went from that people just started getting into their influences and it came, became this huge glam punk scene. The, yeah. the biggest in the country. That's so great that it was actually, it's, it's really, the roots are deeper than what I thought as an observer going, Oh, someone's older brother just passed around too fast for love by Motley Crue. But you guys, <laughs> you guys were actually in the, in the, into the same bands that, you know, someone like Nikki Six was who formed Motley Crue. So you guys are getting, you're coming from a real place. That's amazing to me. Yeah, like Atlanta, it was really weird. Uh, all the guys that were older than me that raised me were always like record collectors. So they were like, no, this is the cool shit. So, you know, so when you're like 17, 18, you're listening to Young, Loud, and Snotty. You're listening to Hanoi Rocks. You're listening to, to The Sweet, um, Hollywood Brats, like stuff like that. Um, and you know we were we thought Motley Crue was cool, but we were more into Stiff Baders and Johnny Thunders. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, I think what, Nikki Six was too, kind of. You know what I course, mean? Like, of course, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know. Like, I didn't know you guys. I was just thinking, <laughs> oh, look at these kids, right? I was just. It was, dude. It was wild. It was amazing. It's it's probably one of the most surreal moments I've had touring America, where we leave. A club and I'm always the first to let like let's go I want to get out of here before oh. it gets hairy you know before bottles start flying or things before start drunk people start yeah. touching you yeah, yeah exactly let's get the hell out of here <laughs> and it was one of the few times where I was like can we just hang out here like can we just like soak in this scene what the fuck is going on <laughs> oh yeah that's cool it's so cool and it so was wild it makes sense that you know a band like you guys would come out of that um, cause I remember when I think we were on tour somewhere and Tony Lima came out to visit us or was it that? And he showed us one of your videos or he played one of your songs. And I was like, I freaked the fuck out. I was, what, who are these guys? This is the band that I've been dying to listen to. I, I, where are they? And I, I bought all your records like immediately when I got home it was crazy, and then threw your name out in the in the basket there when we were talking about opening bands and brought you guys out. Yeah, so the, that, you probably Tona probably showed you us and Biters in like 2011, maybe right? 12, 2010, 2011. Wow. Yeah. So he was real. That's when we started. So he was on it in the first year. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, because you guys came out with us 2012, like the fall tour, right? Like. Yeah. If I would have known what I know now then to go on that tour, I would fucking take advantage of it. But boy, uh, you guys were so good to us on that tour. You know, I've been, like I said, I've been on several opening things and you guys were so kind and so nice. I've been treated like shit a couple of times. So I'll, I'll always remember that. Now. Well, I remember a few nights where I don't usually end up, the, the cruel, the cruel thing is like you ask for a band and then you, you want to tour with the band. You want to, hear them every night and then you don't get to do that because you're busy i'm busy warming up or whatever yeah but the yeah. few times that i was able to catch you guys on the tour you did with us sometimes the crowd wouldn't be so receptive and it got me so angry <laughs> i was like has this been going on every night i was like ready to like yell at everybody but <laughs> really that was not cool that would not be good for us so yeah i got pretty pissed a couple of nights when i saw like whatever the reaction from the crowd was. And I, 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 
I felt for you guys. And I do remember there was on the tour, you guys got the opening slot for Chip, uh, Cheap Trick, I believe. Yeah, like one, yeah. Was it a tour or was it? No, it was a oh. one-off. Oh, but, okay. Um, you know what? Partly the crowd is probably my fault because I didn't know how to win over. I've had to learn how to play that, the hype man, you know? Because, you know, every once in a while you still do opening tours, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you just have to attack it a little different, you know? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's an interesting way to perform. I like <laughs> it, it keeps you on edge, you know? It does. Yeah, so I was learning, but uh, yeah, we got to do the Cheap Trick show. I mean, there, you know, we talk about influences and stuff, and, and I still love the Dead Boys and, and the Dolls, but I started really getting the stuff like Hanoi Rock. I mean, uh, I mean, Cheap Trick, sorry. And, you know, Cheap Trick, that became like the blueprint for Biter's um, power pop and rock and roll mix. And when I got that, I was fucking, you know, so excited. Well, I was just, it was like an oasis finding you guys, like knowing that you guys exist. Because, you know, here we are trying to do, uh, you know, our own brand of hard rock influenced by, you know, 70s bands and 80s bands. But also looking around and going, well, there's no other bands who are, are, you know, claiming the same influences and doing it in a different way. You guys did that. Um, that's what I saw. Like, it wasn't a mirror of our band, but we were all taking from the same trough of bands and of course, in, yeah. interpreting it in, a, in, a, in, their, in our own ways. And so when I found you guys, when Tony told me about you guys, I was like, oh, my God. There's other other people, and then to find out that you come from this scene where there was like you know a lineup of seventeen year old rockers, I was like, oh, that makes sense. But how does that even happen in you know what was it twenty twenty eleven or twenty ten? It was really mind blowing. It was great, you know. And so many there, there hasn't been too many times since we've been a band where I've I've heard a new band, a new rock band, where I've gone yes. Who is that band? That is the fucking shit right there. And I don't know anything about them. Like, all I knew from you guys was the cover of The Biters, which was, which was a photo of a girl biting her hand or something. What was that? Yeah. Yeah, it was Matt's girlfriend. Yeah, we just took it on the phone. Yeah. That's all I knew. And the same thing with Judah. And it was Tony Lima as well who, who played us a Judah video. Um, you got into Judah pretty early. I got him like, oh around the same time, maybe 011, 012. Yeah, like it was, I've always thought you guys, the two bands, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. The, 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 could there be a scene? Could something happen? Um, but yeah. as, as you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough go in, in North America. Same with Canada up here too. Like rock and roll music is, is denigrated. It's, it's laughed at, but it's, it's weird to me that people don't latch on to it um, as much as, other forms of rock music, which I find pretty boring. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, I mean, one of the things I respect about you is that you've always stuck to your guns. So when you look, when you, when you're fucking on your deathbed, you're going to look back and go, I kept it real the entire time. Mm. And I, I want to do the same thing. So, you know, I've, really wanted to be a lot more successful than I have. And, and I did some things that I'm not necessarily 
will own. I've, tr- you know, I've tried to cater a little bit, but it, not much. I can't do like the big auto-tuned vocals. I can't do the pop punk stuff. I can't do what's hot right now. And it's kind of sabotaged me my whole career. And the most important thing to me is to, to try to be authentic on, on these records and, and fight for that stuff. But what I'm seeing now is a lot of bands saying, all right, what is the biggest streaming stuff now? We're going to make a template for what's super hot right now. Um, so it's refreshing to hear bands who just have their own influences that are sticking to their guns. Um, yeah, I, I, I hear what you mean. It's it's a tough go because that's how the industry's going. They're, they are looking at Spotify and going, okay, so who's making the playlists? It's all about playlists now. Dude, don't even get me started. I'm... I can't, I get locked out of, I feel like a fucking alley cat. You probably do too. You're in the alley, half your ears bitten off. You got some fleas. You're digging through a trash can, pulling out the fucking fishbone. And you look up, you look up and there's all these big fat plump Persian cats sitting in the windowsill in their heat purring, looking at you like you're a piece of shit. And I'm like, let me in, let me in the house. Um, And at this point, I'm just like, I'm an alley cat. Fuck y'all. So uh, I don't fit in, but <clears throat> I would rather be me, man. That's a that's a, I like that way you put it. I, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. I like that. Um, Good, yeah. Because I feel that way as well. Like you look around and you're like, "Am I? I'm not crazy, but this music is shit. Why? It's is, shit. It's why? shit." why <laughs> um and and yeah it's it's just so interesting in in canada you know like i don't like in america it's just so huge right so canada's smaller and it's more insular and we could see it better and it's just more geared towards a different kind of music which is cool it's cool like the indie rock thing is cool but <clears throat> when rock music hard rock music is denigrated as much and made fun of as much and it just Ah, I, I, yeah, it's ah, it's very frustrating. It's great to talk to you about it as well because you're one of the few people that know exactly what a band like us is going through. You know, so it's it's nice to right. hear. Well, you well you've been blazing the trail. I'm just kind of falling behind you. Tr- you know, trying to do the same thing. But <clears throat> I'm playing this kind of music, and you are because we love it. it's not popular there's really not a scene it's because you love it and it's authentic and to me being authentic has always been rock and roll but now it's just there's a bunch of fucking old ass white dudes criticizing anything that's new that tries to come in Mm -hmm. um and i'm like uh, you know in the hip-hop world they're like super accepting they're like i respect your hustle man keep going um and so I just wish the rock community uh, would just champion their new artists and, and their people more. That, I, I totally, fully agree with that. It, and that I guess that goes back to your Hard Luck Woman single and video. And how I, I can, I can, it's, it's funny. You know you have made me want to. I'm going to retweet your video and just start a fight with the Kiss Army about it. I have to. Don't, don't, uh, <laughs> we're doing a thing on my um, TV show tomorrow. Uh, you know how they do celebrities read mean tweets? Right. Uh, mine is called Fuck Tuck. And I just have all these pictures of these dudes going like, don't quit your day job, you sissy. Like all the comments are writing about me. I'm like, it's so funny. Oh, that's um, great. That's so great. But the thing is, I don't focus on the negativity. It's funny to me. It's overwhelmingly been positive. 
Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right. it's overwhelmingly been positive. I'm I'm super grateful. It's just funny that people can get so mad about pure fun. Um, and the thing is, what I like about you is you're super vocal. You'll start a fight online and stick <laughs> up for it. Well, um, what you don't see is me going, why did I do that? Why did I start this <laughs> bullshit? <laughs> you don't see that part at home. you're on Twitter all day arguing. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I've, I've kind of, I've kind of uh, taken a step back from it. But yeah, you, sometimes I've learned my lesson and I've, I've learned how to deal with all that stuff. But this is too, this is too much, man. Like you did a great job on Hard Luck Woman and nobody has the right to 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 make fun of you for that especially oh, during quarantine nah during quarantine no i have to i'm team paul the, man the <laughs> thing is the thing is paul paul wrote it but peter chris doesn't play guitar and my thing is i'm not trying to be in a kiss tribute band it was just for fun oh yeah um so these people and I'm, that's kind of a, a microcosm for what the fuck's going on in rock and roll. Exactly. Like when I yeah. go when I go to Spotify playlist, they keep re- they rejected my last two tunes and they said we just don't know where this guy fits in. Meanwhile, on the rock Spotify playlist, there's like no there should be room for everybody. I'm a, I'm a fan of all kinds of music, but there's there's rap on there and there's like like pop punk stuff. Like vampires shake through my heart like on the yeah. rock playlist yeah and i'm like let an actual rock and roll band be on there yeah yeah that's why i did i i've been doing these things on the podcast where i kind of focus <laughs> on bands like new new bands out there who play rock and roll like and i've done the, the biters i did i did the restless heart you and the restless hearts the last time i did it so yep. it, it just i i like you're saying, like while we're out on tour, I want to look to my left and my right and just go, okay, at least there's other bands that, that are doing it with us and we can, we can have this scene, like a rock scene. And yeah, like we have each other's backs. Sure. Yeah, that kind of thing. And, and I don't see too many bands like that <laughs> doing it. So when I found The Biters and now when I found that you're doing your solo thing, I was like, oh, thank God, this is and. I have to say, if I haven't said it already, your solo stuff picks up where the biters left off, and it's awesome. I just wish that you know this album can come out so we can the whole world can hear the rest of it. But what right. the, the snippets that we've been given are awesome, man. I I, I loved it. I, Thank I, you. I drank it up every time you you put out a single. So, Thank you. Yeah, um, and of course the the covers, the quarantine covers as well. But Thank you. you know it's. It's not Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts and the whole album, which is what I want to hear. Well, um, you know, I, um, I'm putting they're putting another single on October. Okay. Uh, so they they are starting my campaign back up. But I mean, my record's got a bunch of it's got power pop, it's got some glam, I got some soul ballads. Um, I was listening to uh, on the way to record uh, the it's the Wildcat album, right? Yes, your album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. listening to that a lot. On the oh, way. cool. Oh, that's nice to know. That's great. Um, well, yeah. the the song I was jamming uh, was "You Are My Woman" because you know I love Thin Lizzy so much. Mm-hmm. That was like my going to the studio jam almost every day. Oh wow, that's awesome, man! Thank you. <laughs> that's great to hear. When everything sooner than later goes back to normal, have you heard word that the stadium tour is going to resume? with the lineup 
Well, they've rescheduled it already, and the dates are out. It came out a couple months ago. I know they're, you know, <clears throat> depending on the refunds, if a lot of people want refunds, none of, none of these rescheduled tours are going to happen. So I'm just hoping that people are going to want to hold on to their tickets. So I'm still on the tour. Good. Uh, as of now. Um, so this can be off the record, but I was going to ask you this. I remember the first time I met you. I'm from the South. I'm very touchy. I gave you a hug, and you looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And I said, dude, oh, my God, are you a germaphobe? And you went, yes. <laughs> it doesn't have to be off the record. It's totally true. Um, so, you know, as a singer on tour, like a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, like I just can't get sick like i can't get a cold you know i can't you know it's it's crazy but and it's only ramped up you know because the 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 stress and the pressure you feel like everything's on your shoulders um that's why that probably yeah i can see myself doing it i can't remember that moment but yeah that's happening yeah i do (laughs) it's it's burnt it's burned into my fucking brain (laughs) (laughs) Like, you wasn't mad. You were just in shock. Like, I cannot believe this motherfucker just hugged me. <laughs> and, and I felt so bad. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. You know, I'm just fucking obnoxious Southern guy. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Well, and, I, uh, I didn't want to piss you off, too, like to think that I'm a diva or something, you know? No, dude, I get it. I started carrying my own mics and shit. I'm the same way because you go down on a tour, you're fucked, and then it's on YouTube forever oh yeah forever and and at the beginning of the pandemic you know there is a, a shortage of r r95 masks well i had like i had two or three um that i gave to family members uh because i always tour with them when i go yep. into an air airplane i'm always wearing one so i started wearing them too man yeah internationally because you pick up some weird germ. It's so fucking crazy to me. Like, wherever you lie politically, if you think that people are trying to take away your freedom by wearing a mask, whether I agree with it or not, that is, you're right. But have the respect for other people just to wear them for fucking 10, 15 minutes when you're in a store and not throw a tantrum. <sighs> uh, you know what I mean, man? It's not that big a deal. Like I do things all the time that I don't want to do out of respect for other people because that's how you should be for a human being. And I'm just like, just put it on in the fucking store. Like I know like in Tennessee, if you go to the store with a mask, they'll be like, fucking liberal sissy. Yeah, uh, and it's yeah. just so bizarre. Um, it's true. I'm, I've, I've started wearing a face shield over my mask now too. <laughs> so that was my question. So, that's, so I'm like, so you're a germaphobe, so I bet you were extra extra paranoid when this came i was it was a mix of um 
I can't believe my, my worst nightmare is, is coming true. Yep, and, yep. and mixed with, I am so ready for this, more ready than anybody. Oh, you're prepared. You're, you were the, you were the fucking flute prepper for years already. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah. It was, it was a bit of that, you know? Um, so yeah, I've even like, even how I enter my, my place, I enter it in a, in a, in a different way. And I have a friend who's also, she's worse than I am. She's like a total germaphobe. And we were texting each other at the beginning of the pandemic going, so how do you do this? And she, she would say, I do it this way. And I go, I do it that way. Exactly. So we're doing it the that's, right way. Yeah. That's funny. Yes. Aligned mind. Aligned mind. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but the last straw with tour sickness, you know, when you use a tour bus and somebody's been in there before you, another band, and they don't clean it right. I've never been so sick in my life from tour bus air. Um, right. And that stuff is brutal. You ever got that? Yeah. It, like bus lung when everybody uh, oh, gets sick. Fuck, man. And it's fuck, fine if, if it's like a p- bunch of guitarists and drummers. That's They can get bus lung, but as the singer... You know, um, nobody understands because there's only one of you. Like usually there's only one singer on the bus or if you're you're sharing, there's you and the other singer. And so nobody understands that bus lung can really fuck your tour up, man, because your singer is not going to be able to sing properly. Yeah, I've had to go on stage before where I shouldn't even be out of bed. And you just suck it up and do it, but. I just wish the damn YouTube videos went in there, but it, so, it's funny. So what I we're do, on the same page. yeah, what I do in my, my bunk is I usually we, cause we're only a three piece and we travel, you know, r- really, really economically. Um, there's always one or two bunks that are empty. So everybody knows I take that bunks, um, blanket and I either double or triple the blankets. I also have a tour. Why do you, why do you triple the blanket? On top of the mattress? No, like instead of just using one blanket, it's not enough for me because it's really cold. Um, oh, your voice, yeah. Yeah, so I double the double the blankets. I also have a bunk hoodie that I usually end up wearing in the bunk. So I'm like, I have so much clothing, and I'm so I'm I'm warm, and my voice can be can can stay the night you know yeah and heal yeah yeah yep. i feel you i feel you because it's crazy i you get booked a lot overseas in the winter it's just when a lot of tours happen exactly because no one tours clubs in the summer in europe because everyone's at festivals, festivals. yeah yep so that's i had to I mean, that's trial and error learning over years and years but now i don't fuck around i i just wear a hoodie into the bunk and i'm in yep it's tough, man. Yeah, it's it's fun talking to you about it because I never have conversations like this with people. I and, don't either. And yeah, I don't know who to ask. Yeah, so. it's crazy cuz you know, the guys in in the band and in in the crew, they don't do that. They jump in their underwear into the bunk and that's it. They're sleeping. But I can't do that because in the middle of the night, if there's a draft, it's going to fuck up my voice when I wake up in the morning. It'll fuck It'll fuck it up. You know, I not anymore because I had to get my shit together. And I, um, you know, I used to party. And if you, in my younger, when I first started, you know, if you do drugs, that shit will hit the back of your throat and you're fucked for days. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, how the hell did these bands like Aerosmith and the Stones or whatever, 
do the level of parting that has been the myth around them and, and, and keep it going. Because you mean you catch a cold, we're fucked. Yeah, yeah, we're totally fucked. I, I, I think a lot of it was like myth making mixed with they had a lot of assistance and maybe days off in between because they're doing yeah. stadium tours. Yeah, it could have been that. I, I've wondered that myself. But it, man, it's crazy. I've, I, it's a lot of people. In the beginning, I was really excited to tour. At the beginning of a tour. And as the years went on, I, was, I would dread the beginning of tour because I knew my voice was going to go down to maybe 75% to 65 And then over the course of the tour, it comes back up. But it never hits 95 again, you know. Yeah, it's weird. It, but the reason why is because you really care about your performance. And that's why. And you think about it and concerned. Yeah, I can't. And I, 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 I'm, I'm the same way. You're the now. same way. Yeah. It, now it, I am. It, it just you can't you can't get loaded after the show's over because the next night you got to sing again. People are listening to us right now and going, "Oh my god, these fucking wieners!" It, it's, <laughs> this it's, isn't rock and roll. <laughs> I know, but, but it's the truth because rock and roll it's has true. now rock bands can't afford a day off. We got to play every single day. Um, so yeah. that's also another thing like Steven Tyler was able to, you know, take a day off, like show on sh day off. If that yeah. happened, every time there's a day off on a tour, I kind of loosen it up a bit. You know, I'm, I'm a little more at ease and I can be more normal, but uh, right. yeah. So, you know, like if, even if there's like two days off, I'd be like, Oh, this is, this is great. Okay. I can relax. But Man, if it's like day on every single day. We did a tour where it was like two days on, two days off. One day on, one day off for five weeks. And I had a great time. I never worried about my voice or meeting people at all. So, Your stress level was, was equaled out. You were level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we played for, what was it, 35 minutes or 40 minutes a day. So, oh, so it was like an opening slot on a big tour. It was a like summer that. tour. Yeah, it was the uh, Uproar Festival across America. Cool, cool. And we did 40 minutes a night or a day. Sometimes we play at you know, 2 in the afternoon, sometimes 6 in the evening. But whatever the case is, I can meet people. I don't have a problem with that. I, I enjoy it. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I'd love to you know, hang out or talk to people who are into our, our band. That means we probably have the same taste in music. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, there's a thing where I never knew this before I, I started touring heavily. I always thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to just, uh, and it's, no, it's a <laughs> nonstop anxiety fest. <laughs> for, I, think, I think for the singer, yes. For the I singer, really for the singer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. I've been even at home. Like I remember, I went out. We were like two days away from starting a tour. I went out to a Japanese restaurant, and I noticed the the chef behind the glass was coughing. And we sat down, and he was coughing. And every time he'd cough, I'd I'd just be like, I can't do this. So we I go to the person I was with. I'm like, we gotta leave. I can't eat yeah. the food that guy's gonna make. We gotta go. My tour starts in like two days. I, I'm not getting what he's got. We got to go. And so, yep, like so they just had to deal with whatever craziness was going in my head. But I probably avoided his cold, you know. So, yeah, that's crazy, man. There's been times where, yeah, like I won't eat something that I see. 
Like if someone hands you something and then they cough and you've paid for it, instead of like making a fuss, I just go, thank you. I leave and I throw it in the garbage. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. You're, you're a couple levels up than me, but I feel you. I feel you. So I'm sorry that I gave you that look years ago, man. <laughs> I don't care. I thought it was funny and now I totally get it. Cause I've been sick on high pressure tours and you just beat yourself up over it, man. Oh, yeah. and, and, and like, you know, I'm like, fuck, dude, I can't hold a note. I can't reach it. And then you, and then you start beating yourself up. And it's yeah. just, you know how it goes. So I, I, I feel you, man. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I know that where you start beating yourself up. And there was, t- there was one tour we did. I lost my voice for three days. And the whole tour, everybody was on the bus or in a day room. And I was in a hotel room just ca- like... I couldn't speak and I felt so bad. The opening band had to like find another show to play in a club on the last minute. I felt so bad. Yeah. You know, I was just, oh, it was the worst. Yeah, it's the worst, yeah. man. Well, you're the only, I think you're the only person I've really talked to this about, like germs and sickness on tour and being a singer. So it, it kind of makes me feel better to know that. We both sing uh, with with melody too, so you have to have the voice. You know, you're the not... major key. Yeah, if you're Bon Scott, I'm just minor third stuff. You can kind of hack your way through it, but oh, those yeah. major key stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, like you know, Brian Johnson has a bat uh, off night with his voice. Everyone's like, "Wow, that was a special show, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome." <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird. The world is so fucking weird. Though. Yeah. So it's, I always, I always view it as like, um, someone is laughing at me cause they, cause I, I got what I wanted. I got to go out on tour in a, in a, in my own band out on the road and, and play. But, um, it's, it's met with so much anxiety that I, I never bargained for. So I, I always yeah. think of it as, you know, someone's laughing that they they gave me what I wanted, but it came with all the stipulations. So, well, that's, that's a metaphor for life right there. Yeah. It, you know, exactly, it yeah. always comes with something and you just have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, man. But listen, man, I've, I've kept you long enough and thanks for all this. It's been wonderful to catch up with you and, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of everything you do. I love it. Thank you, man. Likewise for you. Um, I'm a huge supporter and I try to promote you and you know, I always, what you do for the rock and roll scene, you're one of the few people that really champion up and coming bands. And I, I wish, you know, more people would do that, but thank you. If never I met you, I never have seen you cry. If not for our first hello, we never have to say goodbye. If never I